advantage of the day. Right. When you get an opportunity in this game, you make a play. Yeah. The playmakers on three. One, two, three. Touchdown, Kansas City. The Chiefs are right in the thick of it, baby. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Defending the Kingdom. It is brought to you by 360 Vodka. Awesome for the holidays, the official vodka of the Kansas City Chiefs and of the Chiefs Kingdom and Kansas City's homemade vodka. 360 Vodka. Mitch Holters with you, voice of the Chiefs, along with Chiefs reporter, the Matt Stat himself, Matt McMullen, and the man we call the shop, the barber shop, Sean Barber, the Spider-Man, a guy that played in this league for over 10 years and is a community leader uh, in so many ways. Uh, you can just find your search engine, look him up. You'll see him just all over the place. But anyway, it's awesome to have shop and Matt here. This episode is going to feature on rematches, mm. which is one of the more fascinating things of the National Football League. Colleges generally don't have them. You might have them in a conference championship game or maybe uh, a playoff game, sometimes in a bowl, but rare. They are a matter of life in the National Football League, especially in divisions. Now, before we get into that, let's take a look at uh, – or let's go around the world with Matt. We might as well – this might be a sponsored segment. Who is – engaging with us on the Defending the Kingdom podcast around the world. Well, first of all, you ever notice how Sean always wears his ring on this show? What a power move is that? <laughs> oh, yeah. And it was always his right hand up with the ring. Like, you, you know, yeah. let, me, let me get my forehead ready. <laughs> here's Sean. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, here's the ring. I'm yeah. impressed by it. I should break mine I'm out. too. We both should. Um, okay, yes. Yeah. Around the world. Uh, always, honestly, my favorite part of this show. We see all the people around the world. And by the way, the I love the fact that the um, – the Bastards, former players, got the yes. rings. It's oh, such yeah. a big deal. And thank you, Clark Hunt, the Hunt family, for doing that because I wanted all of y'all to feel that championship. I've said that so many times. That was in my mind when I saw Kendall Fuller pick that pass off. At Kansas City, you've got a champion. Okay, rocking. Yeah, we could talk about that forever is the thing. Yes, we're going to jump into this, though. Okay, so uh, Joel from Johannesburg, South Africa. He had DM'd me on Twitter. Uh, what's up, Joel? He is He's raising his whole family as Chiefs fans. He was here at yes. William Jewell College for eight years, moved oh, to yeah. South Africa, but uh, still stays close to his KC roots. So very cool from Joel. Uh, Lenny in Dubai. And so he knows my daughter and son-in-law were in Botswana, just his north neighbor. There you go. Uh, for two and a half years. So anyway, yeah. The kingdom yeah. is everywhere. It's everywhere. Uh, Lenny in Dubai. He's been a fan since 1967. Never misses a show. Uh, Pavel from the Czech Republic, but he's listening in Germany. Uh, Musa from Turkey. Then get this. We have two brothers at different spots in the world listening. We have Grant Schottenkirk in Townsville, Australia, and Brian Schottenkirk in Hanoi, Vietnam. Their dad emailed me. Uh, let me know about both of those guys. So uh, what's up, guys? Uh, then also we have lots of people all around the country. So Jacob from Perrington, Texas. Uh, Matt in Clovis, New Mexico. He drives 1,400 miles round trip to watch the Chiefs and loves every minute of that drive. Uh, Jonathan, also in New Mexico. He listens with his dad, Tim, from Albuquerque. We have Josh in Ontario, California. Marshall in Las Vegas, out there in enemy territory. Mm, uh, spy. At spy, exactly. I know a thing or two about that. <laughs> yes, you do. Spe well done, by the way. Speaking of that, Robert in uh, Littleton, Colorado, another spy. Yeah. Uh, Rasta from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Sam in Omaha. Haley in Overland Park. I want to make a note here. If you're from Kansas City or live in Kansas City, we'll still read it. Yeah, you know, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Pat in IT, I just saw him down the hallway. We'll mention Pat. Pat listens to Defending the Kingdom. Yeah. So wherever you are, even if it's just in Kansas City, in Overland Park, Lee Summit, wherever, I will read it. So let me know. So we have Haley in Overland Although, Park. All the way up to this point, we've had the southern tip of the African continent. You've had Southeast Asia. We've had Australia. We've mm -hmm. had Eastern Europe again. Here we go. I think we've had Western Europe in there. I mean, 
I do love it. Yeah, well, we're everywhere. And then the last yep. one here, we have an update from Bruce. So remember, Bruce was from uh, Northwest Kansas near Smith Center. You asked what the town was. Yeah, you got to narrow it down. Northwest Kansas is like saying the African <laughs> continent. Like, okay, well, that narrows it down. It's like 7,000 miles apart. What is it? It's Osborne. Oh, Osborne. Osborne. He said he played a lot of uh, high school football games against Smith Center in the 60s. The Bulldogs. Mm. The Bulldogs. I got to tell you. Kashop shared some of his football stories. My last high school football game was in Osborne, Kansas. Wow. Yep. We were driving for the winning score, and we didn't win it. Ah. Somebody might have thrown an interception in. <laughs> <laughs> I still see it, man. Way to bring that up. Speaking yeah. of, like, you know, going through therapy. Yeah. All right, let's get it going. Now, let's talk rematches. I didn't want a rematch of that game, by the way. I want a rematch. I've lived that game in my mind a thousand times. All right. Rematches are fascinating. It's a big part of the National Football League, particularly if you're going to win a division because you play every division opponent twice. That is guaranteed when you go into every season. Mm-hmm. Shop, I want to ask you, uh, because you were an Eagle, you were a Washington football team member, you were a Kansas City Chief, you were a brief time with the Houston Texan. Yeah. What do you remember about rematch games? I just remember the importance of that first time when you're playing a divisional uh, opponent and you have the first time to go out there and play, you know you're going to get another shot at him. So win, lose, or draw, you don't, you don't just lose the playbook. You, you take the playbook, you take that, um, you kind of store it away, you kind of brush up on it every, every week or so because you know that team is coming back around, you don't want to lose those notes. But you, 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 you keep those mental notes a little bit more to the forefront of your mind. You never totally just flush it out. Other teams, other games, once the game is over, you flush it out, right, rinse and repeat. Impl- implement the new um, game plan for the next team, but always with those divisional po- um, opponents, you want to keep a little bit of that um, that edge. Uh, you want a little bit of that game plan available so that you can recall it at any moment. And the way the NFL is doing it now is not like the way when I played. We would we would put a, a divisional opponent at the first you know four weeks of the season, and then you might play them again at the end. But now with this backloaded season, how they're backloading um, uh, um, rematches. Uh, within three weeks, four weeks sometime, you're playing the same opponent within a four-week uh, span. This is going to be phenomenal for ratings, um, for the aggressiveness, the, the mentality, the mindset. You think you hate a guy? You think we hate the Raiders? Imagine having Raider week twice <laughs> in a month. <laughs> it's bad enough to have it twice in a season, but, but twice in a month? Come on, man. They're asking for it. <laughs> mm, I, it's why it's fascinating, and it's interesting that you say what you said. Hang on. We're going to come right back to you. Uh, with some more on that because it's very interesting to me. Matt, when you look at the success of Andy Reid, um, and we've looked at it before. I mean, you look at his division record. We've laid this out, 36-12 uh, and 12, uh, prior to this season. He's 1-1 one one this year. You look at what he's done in December. You look at what he's done in division games in December. This takes on a whole new discussion, and I've never heard this discussed. That's why we're trying to break ground here on defending the kingdom is his amazing record in rematches. Andy Reid is not only a bi-week king at 20-3, and three, he is a rematch king. Yeah, he is. You gave me some homework last night. Like on the podcast, we're going to talk about Raider rematches, see how Coach Reid has done. And I'm like, all right. And the fun thing about re- like researching and finding a stat is you start to see a trend, and then th- you start rooting for that trend to continue. And the beautiful thing here is Coach Reid is a perfect 8-0 in Raider rematches. So every time he's faced the Raiders for a second time in a season as a, as a head coach of the Chiefs, he has won that game, 8-0. And I have the scores here because he has six of those victories by double digits. So 
Last year was a tight one. That was the crazy one where Patrick Mahomes led the comeback at the end and found Travis Kelsey wide open in the end zone. That was 35-31. In 2019, 40-9. to uh, 2018, 35-3. I think that was the Patrick Mahomes 50th touchdown game. It was. Uh, 2017, 26-15. 2016, 21-13. 2015, 23-17. 2014, that was 31-13. I think the Chiefs wanted to win that game after losing to the Raiders on the road on Thursday Night Football. Mm-hmm. Then 2013, 56-31. That was the Jamal five-touchdown game. Uh, Screen festival game. Oh yeah, goodness. crazy one. So I think it shows the brilliance, just another example of the brilliance of Coach Reed. We know how good he is after a bye because he has extra time to prepare. But when he faces you once in a season, gets some of your tendencies on tape, gets to learn about you a little bit, Bit, see what works, what what doesn't. Uh, against the Raiders, at least, he's perfect so far. So let's make it 9-0 on Sunday. Yeah, I wouldn't mind it. The thing, too, and I looked at the other rematches. So you dive, dove into the Raiders. Overall, as a Chiefs head coach, he's 19-5 and five in rematches. Overall, as a head coach, he's 48-21 and 21 in rematches. He was 0-4 his first year. Now, keep in mind, when you played now in the NFC East – uh, when you started with Washington and then Philadelphia, up until the 0-2 realignment when the Houston Texans came in and we went to the current alignment, which is eight divisions of four teams, there were four in division. So he had four division rematches the first year as Eagles coach at, way back in 1999 and lost all four. So you take that first year, that plebe year out of there, mm-hmm. he is 48 and, um, what did I say, 48, he's 48 and 17 from wow. 2000 to now in rematches. He's, it's almost as impressive as his bye week to me because let's jump back into what you said because now let's go why. How would you theorize? Why would you theorize Andy Reid is so good in rematch games? Well, if I look at any one game, he takes the first 15 plays, there's certain things he's looking at. How are you going to react to my um, formation, my adjustments, and when we shift? That's, that's in a small sample, just 15 plays. You give him an entire ball game. <laughs> now he has 50 snaps of watching how you adjust, why did you adjust, even after halftime, what adjustments did you make to the first half, and now he gets all that data and gets to come up with a whole another game plan, it's, it's, it's lights out. I mean, at that point, um, you, you're giving the Mad Hatter, right, Andy Reid, way too much time and, 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 and ability to change uh, personnel, uh, formation, the, uh, the, the process and the way he's going to attack your defense, whether it's through philosophy or just through skill level, um, attacking one-on-one matchups. And across the board, he's been phenomenal at doing that throughout his coaching career. But specifically when it comes to the division, because we know from training camp, every training camp, he takes an entire practice for each one of those divisional foes. So there's a little bit of extra, um, a little bit of extra sauce being put on those divisional foes and definitely that second time through in the season. He'll even do that in OTAs. In yes. OTAs, there will be Raider Day or Bronco Day or Charger Day, and the guys don't necessarily know it. Mm-hmm. He kind of keeps it a little bit of a secret. And the veterans kind of figured it out, I think. But to me, he also keeps – if he's got four drawers, he's got two drawers full of stuff for maybe the first time he plays yeah. you, and I'll use half of this drawer, but he ain't using all four nah, drawers. How much drawer. is he saving? <laughs> got a whole another set of, uh, of plays and ways to develop and, and, and just attack you as far as the offenses. And, and sometime on defenses – uh, from a defense side of the ball, I watch a game, and, and when it's a close game, I'm wondering, why don't we, you know, uh, stretch it more? Why don't we attack more? And I've realized, why use cards unnecessarily? Why use plays and formations and, and, and uh, offensive philosophies when you got the ball game under control? And I think we've seen that kind of play itself even beyond just playing against the Raiders. 
um, the second half of this season, the defense has done a, such a great job of controlling um, the, the opponent and controlling the, the, the flow of the game. I think in the second half of games, we've kind of um, dialed back a little bit of how creative we really need to be to win that ball game and it actually make, make the percentage of us winning, the percentage, the, the possibility of us winning even raise higher because we're keeping it so fundamentally sound instead of going outside of the box like we've, we've been accustomed to seeing the Kansas City Chiefs do. So I think Andy has, like you say, a, a whole other uh, volume of plays <laughs> uh, waiting to unleash uh, the people if we need to. But right now we're just focused on winning ball games, um, ball control, possessing the ball, um, and doing the things we need to do to be fundamentally sound as a football team. Matt, he seems like he also has psychological warfare going here because people know that, yes. right? The Raiders know what's he got. Now, I've got a quick – this is just a month ago. Shop, you mentioned We just played these guys four weeks ago in the 41-14 game, and the Raiders are going, what's he thinking? What's in that other drawer? And to me, I, get, I think it gives Andy a psychological advantage. But you've seen him uh, throughout the year. The, 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 the division is on his mind in March, April, May, June, July, August, and September, and October, November, December, January, February. Yeah. Well, these are your most important games. And we talk about how good Coach Reed is uh, against the division. You mentioned it earlier coming into this season. Uh, the Chiefs are now 38-13 and 13 with the games this season included um, against the AFC West since Coach Reed got here in 2013. That's the most victories for any team in the, in the NFL against their own division. More than even New England, who played the Dolphins and the Jets uh, forever uh, when they weren't very good and New England was winning Super Bowls. So it says a lot about how important these games are to Coach Reed because these are not easy games to win. They're very difficult to win. And over the years, the Raiders and the Broncos and the Chargers want nothing more than to beat the Chiefs, particularly lately when the Chiefs have won five division titles in a row. One really impressive stat here, too, is that you want to play your best football in December, right? That's when you want to be playing your absolute best football is in the home stretch. Coach Reed, uh, since he got here in 2013, is 17-3 and against the division in the month of December. Think about that. That is incredible. And if you also consider some of those losses are when uh, the uh, playoff position was locked up and we didn't play our starters. So when, when we have to win in December, Coach Reed is basically undefeated. And it's amazing. It shows how much... Uh, thought and effort he puts into these games uh, and for, you're right to get back to your original question for the opponent they know that and they're like man what's he going to have up his sleeve here or why can't we beat these guys when we need to I think about uh, 2016 when the Raiders came in here at uh, they finished 12 and 4 I think they had a great yes. season and if they had won that game they probably won the division people were talking about Derek Carr as an MVP candidate mm -hmm. and they couldn't beat us and it just has to weigh on you after a while now, give these division opponents credit. They have won some tough games. The Chargers game here. The walk-off uh, two-pointer. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that comes to mind. Like, they've gotten us a few times. But uh, over the course of the Chiefs and Andy Reid's body of work, it's got to be very frustrating coming in here to play. Yeah, and the overall December record, 26-9. and nine, You mentioned that with just three division losses in December. And let's be honest, almost all of those are rematch games. So let's take from a football strategic standpoint right. here, Shap. And I asked... I asked Coach this on Monday night at the Chiefs Kingdom show, is it, and I love it because if you get a chance and you're around the world, you can't listen to it, um, but you can find it archived because it's a fireside chat. He gets super relaxed, mm -hmm. and he just kind of talks ball. But I said, how much can you tweak? How much can you tweak in a month's time because this is fresh? How much can they tweak? In your opinion, as a player who's lived this, how much can you tweak? Well, you got to be careful with how much you tweak because instincts take over. And you want players to go out there and stop thinking. You want them to just react to what they see and go make plays. That's how you keep fast players playing fast. If they out there thinking during plays, they're not, think, they're not actually pursuing to the ball, they're not making plays, they're not being instinctful. So too many adjustments 
then you have your team thinking too much, and now you're playing slow. But if you don't make enough adjustments, then the other side, the, your opponent gets to take advantage of your, your lack of making adjustments. So it's a fine, you know, it's, it's, it's a fine amount of, uh, it's like, you know, creating, you know, baking a cake. If, if it's a little bit uh, dry, you, you want to add a little bit more butter, right, make it a little bit more moist, but not so much that it becomes overly sweet, right? And so Andy's just been that, I mean, he, he got a recipe, but he barely looks at it. He just knows by taste. He knows by, uh, he's putting a pinch of that in there, a tablespoon of that, a little bit of dab of that. He tasted a little bit, and mm, uh, a little bit too salty. Let me sweeten it up a little bit. So going throughout the season, I think, I mean, he's been a, a master, right? He's been a master chef at putting together some winning recipes, especially in the AFC West. And when you talk about, you know, divisional records against your division, I mean, we're the only division in football with nobody with a losing record. Yep. So you talk about going against some – there's no bottom feeders. There's no gimme games. You're not getting four victories versus teams that are, um, have losing records. These are all playoff contending teams you're going against um, six times throughout the seasons, and you got to be ready to bring it all every time you play against them because, you, like you said, you don't want to give any of these teams a psychological edge over you. And what we've been doing to this division – Man, we've been putting, the, like you always say, put the hammer down. We've been the hammer, not the nail. <laughs> I have a quick tag on that, too, because it got me thinking about uh, my interview with Charles Davis I had a few hours ago for our game preview this week. Uh, Charles is from CBS Sports, obviously. He'll be on the call this weekend. And I asked him about the confidence that our defense has been playing with, particularly the DBs, because our DBs, like guys like Charvarius Ward and Legereus Sneed, Rashad Fenton when he's healthy, uh, even DeAndre Baker last yes. week have been playing really, really well, and that builds your confidence. And he mentioned the reason that's so important is because because you can be like a 4-4 guy, but if you're not confident and you don't go out there uh, with the confidence to, to go play, that like you're thinking too much, you become a 4-5 guy yeah. or a 4-6 guy. <laughs> and I'm sure that you know what I'm talking exactly. about here. And for the Chiefs to be playing as well as they are defensively, that confidence has a big, uh, a lot to do with that. And for the opponent, if you're the Raiders coming in here, you're 6-6 six and six right now, your season is on the line. If you're thinking a little bit about what happened in week 10, like, oh man, they beat me this way. Or think about the pass rush. We can talk about the pass rush later, but their pass rush is so good. But time and time again, whenever they got pressure, it was a quick little three or four yard pass to Travis Kelsey, he'd break off a huge long run. If you're thinking about that as a defensive player, it's got to be a challenge. Yeah, you've already blocked them without blocking them. Yes. And I've seen Andy do that so many times. Uh, and I'm going to get to your thought of playing with confidence because I've really seen it in the linebackers. I want to ask you about that. But before we do that, being around coach now for nine seasons, and I broadcast these games, and I review the video of every game. Shop, in these rematches, to me, we talked, we talked about his drawer having stuff he hasn't used yet. But I, And I say this emphatically. I cannot – I'll watch a game. I can watch Richmond against James Madison, and I'll go, oh, there's some tendencies here. This hash, this down and distance, it's these – I cannot tell you what the Chiefs are going to run based on formation down and distance. Or t They are the most unpredictable team I think I've ever seen. Yeah. Am I off here? No. And if I'm sitting there preparing for them, I go, hey, tendencies here, tendencies are – you can't say that with these guys. Yeah. So, and, so, so defensively from a defense standpoint, you're looking at the Chiefs, the, the, the problem comes is because they are so um, they're so gifted at the skill level of Tyreek Hill and Kelsey, it makes you do some things defensively just to take away those chess pieces. You have some you have some elite of the elite elite of the most elite players in those two positions. You have one of the best and the fastest wide receiver, one of the most talented tight ends. I already defensively have to do some things that I might not feel comfortable about just to try to um, eliminate or try to take those guys from being game wreckers. So that all already limits what I can do defensively. And now i got to start thinking about what Andy is actually calling, 
the screen game, the run game, um, I'm getting Pat on the edge, a Pat when he does scramble. Uh, and, and that almost forgets about the D. Robinson, the Pringles, the Bells, the uh, Noah Grays, um, the Gordons, all the other weapons they have. So you don't want to forget about anybody. So you, you still have to play some fundamentally sound defenses. But what you know is when you play fundamentally sound defense against a coordinator like Andy Reid, and he already knows what you have to do at that middle linebacker Reid position, what you have to do <laughs> as that press corner, then you know he's drawing up things to just attack your, your technique. And, and so you always feel like you're behind the eight ball. You always feel like he, he got all the cards in his hand and I'm just going to, you know, I, I, I'm going to be his kind of his whipping child for the day on defense um, until we create a, a stop, a turnover, a big sack, until we get the momentum. And then you talk about playing an arrowhead with the 12th man and the crowd roaring and all that. I mean, it's, it's almost too much to even bear sometime on the defense side of the ball. Um, so you just go out there and you try to play your best. You, try to, you hope for the best. Uh, you're, preparing for the, you're preparing for the worst because you know you're going to have to change some things because what Andy did a week ago, even a minute ago, he's not doing the same thing. But he's able to be so successful in so many different ways. Uh, that, that multi-versatile offense, the multi-sets he does, all the different schemes and the way he can attack you vertically and horizontally, man, it's very frustrating for a defense. And then, like Matt said, and even when you do get the pat, he's mobile enough to create that extra little second, that little half second to create that window to get the ball away so you still statistically don't get a sack. Yeah. Man, it's, it's tough, man. And it can frustrate you. But, and people say, let's say you're a Raider fan going, well, hey, double Kelsey, you know, well – the Chiefs had a great countermeasure the last time. Or, hey, match up on Tyreek Hill. It, you have to understand, and you could, you know this, and, and, to, and to your point, it's like you're welding on the USS Kitty Hawk in the middle of the Pacific. <laughs> your, your ship is put to sea in training camp. You can't sit there and go, hey, turn the battleship around and turn it into a motorboat. Yeah. No, you can't do that. I can weld a little bit, and I can fix something, but I can't change the whole – I can't change it all, especially in a rematch especially when it's such a quick turnaround. So, Matt, your point, I'm going to get you guys to jump on this because now we're going to, we're going to drill down on this specific game. Right. And just a reminder, we're brought to you by um, 360 Vodka, Kansas City's hometown vodka and the official vodka of the Kansas City Chiefs and the Chiefs' kingdom. When you mention guys playing with confidence and without confidence or a defender having a 4-4 speed but being somewhat apprehensive, in my mind were Nick Bolton and Willie Gay Jr., because those dudes, and even even Hitch here, mm-hmm. Anthony Hitchens, I have, and 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 Danon's going crazy up in the, he's like head me and everything else. I got like a nosebleed. I'm in the blue tent because these linebackers now are playing downhill. It is a vast difference than what we saw in September and October. Your thoughts there, and then shop jump in as an old backer. Yeah, I totally agree. And we kind of thought this might happen in training camp because we saw both Willie and Nick playing with a lot of confidence, just getting used to the scheme. Think about Willie. It was tough last year because for those guys that didn't have OTAs a full year ago uh, after the draft during COVID and everything where we didn't have in-person stuff, it was difficult for those guys, and they admitted it, to just get used to playing in the NFL because their first real experience was the first day of training camp. Think how difficult that must be. No in-person rookie minicamp, no OTAs, none of that stuff. And then when the season comes around, all of a sudden you're still trying to learn the defense figure out what it's like to be a pro he admitted that he didn't feel 
totally comfortable until like late in the season. And you st- saw him start to play pretty well. Then he got hurt. Well, coming into this year, he said he felt leagues better. I mean, he felt way, way more comfortable in the system and in the defense. And we've been seeing that uh, since he came back healthy several weeks ago. The guy looks awesome. I mean, he's flying around out there. Uh, he had media actually just a few hours ago, and he was asked, where's your confidence level at? He said, it's pretty high. <laughs> pretty high right now. It's a good sign, man. Yeah, and then Nick yeah. Bolton, I mean, he's been playing with tenacity for, for weeks now. So both of those guys are playing just with a lot of energy, a lot of passion. And for this defense, for young guys to have success, you want the whole defense to have success as well. Mm-hmm. You know, like you want them to feel what it's like to feel success as a defense. Mm-hmm. And for the last several weeks, for the entire defense to be playing as well as they are, since week eight, this is the second best scoring defense in the NFL. They've allowed six total touchdowns. Are you kidding me? Six total touchdowns. That's the fewest in the NFL. To feel like you're a part of that as a young player uh, has to be huge for your confidence moving forward. Yeah, these guys aren't four sevens that became four threes. They're not four sevens anyway. But, Shop, when you get to be playing downhill and you play fast, how much are you seeing that in these young linebackers in specific, maybe even rubbing over on Hutch a little bit, or Hitch, I should say. But how much are these guys playing faster downhill and what you like to see? Yeah, well, what I'm seeing on the field by young guys is just being loose and allowing them athleticism and their youth and their, their vigor and their aggression to take over. Usually in the NFL, the, 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 your schemes, your responsibilities, being an A-gap to a backside cutoff player, knowing you got seam pass coverage, sometimes that amount of information starts to uh, weigh you down because you're already seeing formations and you're looking at who the possible threats are that's going to attack your zone coverage, who are the man threats, and you're looking at a man and, and, and that uh, running back coming out of the backfield. Every team got a different weapon, has a different strength and weakness. Um, so week in and week out, it's just not like college. Being the best athlete on the field all through your college days, you're able just to play, not worry about – you don't even worry about who the other running back is because you're so confident in yourself. When you get to the NFL, it's almost a 100% uh, 360-degree reversal of that because you see some of the best of the best, whether it's a tight end position, the, um, sometimes those slot receivers you're responsible for, and the backs coming out the backfield. Those guys can wreck games. They can create some really um, – um, unfortunate um, uh, matchups against you when you talk about your skill set as a linebacker. And that's not even thinking about your responsibility. That's just mano a mano putting my strengths and weaknesses up against somebody else's. Not to mention all the other things as far as getting the front set, understanding what's the pass coverage. If this guy goes in motion and they shift, how do we switch the defense? You're the quarterback of this defense. Sometimes with young players, that amount of information kind of uh, it slows them down. It just, it just becomes too much to bear. And that's the value of a Hitchens. That, yeah. that, that's the coach on the field that every team has. Whatever, you know, hey, Hitchens getting a little bit long in the two, he's getting a little bit older, but he's making up with that with his experience. He, he can now call his shots. He can kind of send some of them young guns to go in there and take a hit every once in a while <laughs> so he didn't have to take it, save himself a little bit. Um, but that comes with that experience, man. He, he knows in certain um, um, situations of the game, um, he has more value uh, kind of waiting, delaying a little bit than it is uh, being the first in, being that tip of the spear. And he's a, he got two guys that are willing. Um, you see Willie Gay. I mean, he's swagging, surfing on the sideline with the, with the offense every time the offense makes a big play. I mean, these guys are playing with so much excitement. Yeah. The one thing I see going in every huddle, we always start the huddle a certain way. It's, it's more than 11 guys in our defensive huddle. We always start with more out there. And then whenever we call a defensive package, a couple guys run off. Well, over the last few weeks, you've seen Nick Bolton been the guy one. And he's been one of the tackles for loss. He's always making plays. But he doesn't run off with his head down. He knows it's just a matter of time. It's just a situation. Yep. When my number is called, I'm going to be expected to stay out there and make a big plays. And when those big fourth downs, 
Right, fourth down stops. Bolton is part of it. When it's tackle for loss, Bolton is a part of it. He's making some of the most impactful plays, but he's only on the field like ten plays. Yeah. How do you make three tackles with ten plays? Like, man, the, the, the efficient, the efficiency that these linebackers are playing with. They don't take much. They don't need a, a lot of opportunity. They're making the most out of every opportunity they get to play on. The, they're making big impact plays at some of the most unique times that's leading to us having one of the top defenses in the league right now. Well, quick thought on Willie Gay, too, and making big-time plays. Think about the play of the game, in yep. my opinion, against Denver. I think you know where I'm going with this. It was early in the game. It was that fourth down stop on fourth and two, deep in Chiefs territory, that ended a 20-play drive <laughs> for the Broncos with zero points. Yep. You eat up 11 minutes of clock you go 83 yards i think on 20 plays and you get zero points for it and it's because the chiefs defended every blade of grass and willie gay if you go back and watch the play didn't hesitate at all he was going downhill the whole way jaron reed crushed a guy lloyd cushenberry i mean he destroyed him and then willie gay was right there to wrap up javante williams it was awesome and i think a linebacker that maybe doesn't feel as comfortable in the scheme i don't know if he makes that play willie makes that play right now and it was such a huge play psychologically, and, and Shop knows how psychological this game is because if the Broncos score there, even a three, but for sure a seven, it becomes a major statement. We just had the ball 11 minutes and scored on you. We've shortened the game. It worked, worked, got it. But to get zero points ended up turning the cannon on him mm-hmm. because now all of a sudden the whole sideline of the Chiefs lifted up. Like, what did you, you all just do? Because you didn't do anything, really. I mean, you did eight, 11 minutes off, and so the Chiefs only got 54 plays in that game. But you got no points. So it became almost a, ashamed. Like, we did all that and got no points. It's like, <laughs> yeah. wow. So psychologically, it was as important as it was, obviously, physically. All right, let's drill down on this uh, Raider team because Derek Carr, we know, is can be very, very good. And, again, is the hot faucet on or the cold faucet uh, because that's just the way he's been. He's 3-12 and against the Chiefs. But we did see him come in here. Let's just start this one because I don't care if you're in South Africa or Australia or in the Czech Republic. If you're a red-blooded, card-carrying member of the Chiefs' kingdom, it had to tick you off. When the Raiders came in here last year and ambushed the Chiefs, the only regular season loss in the first 15 regular season weeks of the year, and then took a victory lap. They took the bus around their sta- their buses mm. around the stadium on a victory lap like it was the Rose Bowl parade. What? So that ought to get you fired up for this game. Hey, man, I'm tell you, I, I loved it. I loved it. And even though, man, listen, I know it's always Raider week, but it's, it's, it's been more like Raider week because we've been beating them so long. So for them to get a, a victory once out of, I think, uh, eight years <laughs> and decide that, that that's, that's worthy of a victory lap, that kind of that got my juices flowing again. That got, you know, it kind of started the rivalry back up again. You know, uh, I'm, I'm kind of I'm excited for the Raiders to come back, be on our field, our home turf, uh, um, and, and try to think that they're going to walk out here and load those buses up again and get another victory lap. I, I know our team feels that way, too, because, you know, we, we, we hear guys trying to downplay it and say, you know, oh, I, you know, it, it wasn't a big deal, it wasn't something. But I guarantee for all the fans – They've let them know. Chiefs Kingdom has let those players know. We can't wait to get the Raiders back here, G-E-H-A field, to make sure that they do not have a chance to do another victory lap. And not only that, not just the win, man, we want to make them pay for it. We want to make them pay for it. So we, if there's ever a chance for this offense to explode and this defense to shut a team out, and you want to see the sea of red go crazy for 60 minutes of football, man, it's this week, it's this moment, this time, this place. Man, there's nothing like Raider week. You remember what Coach Reed said when he was asked about it. 
you yeah. said, yeah, we probably wouldn't do that. Yeah. And, you know, they can do whatever they want to mm-hmm. do. Now, Code, knowing him for nine seasons, <laughs> is that he just put his finger on a button. So where's that second drawer? Because <laughs> Big Red's coming, man. He yeah. is coming for these guys, well, just saying. The thing with our, with Coach and with our players is that's about the most you'll get out of him mm-hmm. on that subject. Yep. And, like, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, they're not going to say anything about it. They're just going to let their play do the talking. And we essentially ended their season on Sunday Night Football last year at the Death Star. So we kind of made our statement there, like, if you want to do that, okay. We're going to go into your season. Rematch. In front of your fans. So it's perfect. And rematch. Yeah. Read rematch. Um, Carr, though, has been um, good at times, really good at times. He has 60 20-plus yard completions this year. That's number one in the National Football League. And with Deshaun Jackson now, mm-hmm. more time, we saw him go for the six against the Cowboys. We saw what he did against the Chiefs. He's got another 50-plus yard touchdown. The uh, and thank goodness we had a little peanut tillman going on because that was Rashad Fenton popping it out. Yep. Uh, but there's some danger here with this Raider offense, even though we do not know who's going to be up or down. Is Waller going to be up? We don't know. Hunter Renfro is another guy. I mean, he is the mosquito at the picnic. He will give you malaria, right? So <laughs> he I hope not. Well, I'm just saying. I just but there's something here you got to take care of. If you're going to squash these guys, then you got to squash the right bugs. Yeah, I think we just got to come out the gate early and often, knowing what we got to do, being so aggressive, playing fundamentally sound. Um, I think we we know that up and down the board we're a better team, but we got to make sure that they know it too, yeah. right? No, leave nothing, um, uh, you know, nothing in the tank, um, especially in that first half of the game. We don't want to be going into halftime just up by a possession if necessary. Uh, we we want to make sure that we control that game. Um, from the first kickoff to the last uh, cl- um, second off the clock. And I think you do that mentally, physically, emotionally. You start right now preparing yourself for a, a physical ball game, and you make them realize that their season is coming to an end, that all the turmoil they've had outside of their locker room is causing that team to, to fall apart at the seams. And when you see guys um, on an injury list get longer and longer and longer and opting out of the opportunity, the chance to get on the practice field and play, I don't question uh, Waller. Waller is, is nominated this year as the Walter Man Player of the Year for that for that organization. So that's a credit in itself for everything he's been doing. And he's overcome a lot in, the, in his life. Everything, his whole story. Yeah. But for this week in this game, we, you know, often to not be a p- part of this, whether it's the practice field or it's the game time decision, um, I think that says something to me about how, how bad did he really want it. How bad do you really want to beat the Chiefs? And I think that our guys, you're going to, you go down the list, there's going to be more guys um, in our locker room with something to prove, something to um, um, go after on game day. Um, again, uh, being fed off, uh, being pissed off, actually, by what happened last year here, but, but feeding off of the energy of our sea of red. That's going to be an amazing atmosphere. Um, and it's been amazing all year long. I think every time I hear Coach Reed on your show, he talks about how amazing the crowd is, how amazing it is to play here yeah. in front of our home crowd. And by the way, the Sea of Red will come in a little cranky, too, for this one. Um, but you said, you know, your thought is the Chiefs have the better team. Derek Carr would disagree with you. His quote after the game of four weeks ago was, we have the better team. We just got to kind of put it together. I mean, he said it. Give him, I mean, hey, dude, you came in here last year and won. I got you. But put that in with the uh, bus wheels going round and round and just put that up on a bulletin board. Derek Carr's having a weird year. It's, it's, weird, it's it? a weird year. Uh, it's a very symmetrical year. And if you look at what he's done this season, when he throws for 300 yards, very basic stat, if he throws for 300 yards. It sometimes can be a misleading stat. Often it, it can be. Yeah. And that's part of my point, because when he throws for 300 yards, the Raiders average 32 points per game, and they're undefeated. They're 6-0. and When he throws for less than 300 yards, they haven't won. They're 0-6, averaging 13 points per game. 
to your point, frequently we'll see a quarterback have an enormous game, but they lost, you know. Or he'll have, you know, a pretty pedestrian game. He'll throw for 150 yards. Look at Mac Jones against the Bills a few nights ago. Threw for 19 yards. Didn't matter because one they... was a screen. <laughs> they threw three passes and one was a screen. Exactly. I mean, that was Smith Center, man. That's <laughs> Army. That's Army Navy. <laughs> but you know, you can win in different ways. The Patriots use their running game and that that won them the game. For the Raiders, if Derek Carr doesn't throw for a bunch of yards, they lose. And if he does throw for a bunch of yards, they tend to win. It's weird. It's really oddly symmetrical. Uh, and the Chiefs, they contained him. Yeah. And if you look at third down, that's where the game was won against the Raiders. The games are always won on third down, but particularly in this one, the Raiders were one for nine on third down. Do you know what they netted on their third down place? Negative three yards. It's ridiculous. It was insane. So the Chiefs consistently on third down were not letting Derek Carr find his guys. Couldn't find guys like Renfro, who actually has 23 catches on third down this year. He's pesky. I mean, it's really the best way to describe him. You mentioned that. Uh, third and five, third and six, he'll catch him on a slant. It's very frustrating. That didn't happen uh, against uh, the Chiefs in week 10. And their playmakers, guys like Darren Waller, guys like Josh Jacobs, those two guys combined for 60 yards total from scrimmage in that game. We'll see if Darren Waller plays in this one, like you mentioned. But uh, the Chiefs shut down their playmakers. They shut them down on third down. And Derek Carr didn't have a big game. And as we've seen all season long, when he doesn't have a big game, they lose. Yeah, don't sleep on Brian Edwards. He had the post for 37 yards and touchdown. He's a pretty good player. Yeah. Uh, we're going to close it out this way and talk about their defense really quickly. Uh, you can say what you want about them. We can give out all kinds of stats. Uh, but their ship that's at sea is they have two elite duo pass rushers, all right, in Yannick Ngakwe and Max Crosby. We talk about two-headed running backs. Matt and I were uh, earlier this week on Kingdom Conversations talking about it. But the best, you, you always see these duo and pass rushers. If you can get a pass rusher, one from each side, think of Neil Smith and the late Derek Thomas. Okay, they have that. And so now all of a sudden I can shade protection, I can chip, I can help release. But when it's coming from both ways, the problems that they pose with that and then, Matt, I'll get your thought on Jonathan Abram because he's the other guy in the mix. If I look at those three defenders, they're beat up at linebacker right now, but those three defenders are elite players. Well, Max Crosby has the potential to be an elite player and historically has been a thorn in the side of every offense. But if you look at what he's done this year, I mean, he's, he's had sacks in two games. He had multiple sacks in two games, week one and week six. And in every other game, he's come up with a goose egg. Now, he gets quarterback pressures – He's been he's been destructive. Got a lot of hurries. He gets a lot of hurries and pressures. Yes, he does. But when it comes to actually being that that difference maker and getting it on the ground and that that momentum that comes with sacks, you know how how much of momentum change that sack is on big third down plays. It just he's not been able to to to, to throw it into that next gear like he's been doing previously. So I don't know if Max is getting a little bit old. I don't know what's coming up. I don't know if he's starting to um, kind of feel himself a little bit or maybe listening, you know, reading all the paper clippings about how great he is. Mad Max is taking over and all this kind of stuff. But I mean, he's just not getting home the way he used to. And even with the addition of Gonque um, on the other side, I mean, he has eight sacks on the season, so he's doing his job very consistent. But he's kind of feeding off everybody. Uh, I'm shading towards Max, the double teams and the chips being given to Max, and he's being left one-on-one on his side. But, I mean, uh, as, a, as a total defensive line trying to get pressure um, on, a, on, a, on a guy like Mahomes who's, who's a little bit more mobile than average and is able to kind of have that sixth sense, that spider sense to know when it's coming, I mean, it looks like it's going to be another long day at the office for this pass rush to try to get to Pat Mahomes. And sacks, to me, can get, they can become mental. We've seen that with our own guys. Yes. And to try to chase sacks is like trying to hit home runs in baseball. 
you fly out or strike out. <laughs> if you're trying to hit line drives, you hit home runs. Mm-hmm. And so that could be part of it for Max. Like, I got to get to 15 sacks this year. Well, you're only at five. Well, maybe he's been chasing a few instead of just, yes. just play. Uh, Abram's an interesting guy. Uh, he'll try to take your head off. Like, this guy's one of the more physical safeties in the league. But he's also a very talented safety. Coming out of Mississippi State, I loved him. Um, but the secondary's been a little bit beat up. The Chiefs took some shots at him. Uh, what are you seeing on the back end of these guys? Man? Well, the, the Chiefs got him a few times in that game yep. in, in Vegas. That makes me wonder, for a guy like that who's very prideful, to get back to our earlier conversation, do you think a little bit about that when the ball's coming your way this time around? Do you think a little bit about how there was plays made against you the first time, now you got to prove yourself. Well, does that end up hurting you in a way? Are you a step behind because of that? I'm wondering if that will happen uh, here in this game. The, you know, their secondary does have a lot of talent. Abram's part of that. They only have five interceptions, though, yeah. as a team. Yeah. And you can be really, really technically sound, but if you're not making plays, like taking the ball away, that's a big deal. And we just haven't really seen that from the Raiders secondary this year. They haven't really taken the ball away. And also, if you look at what the Chiefs did offensively uh, against the Raiders back in Week 10, the Chiefs had 252 yards after the catch against the Raiders. 252. That was the third most yards after the catch for any team in a single game this season. It was over half of Patrick Mahomes' passing total. Yes, It was insane. So if you can hit a guy on a quick route, I mentioned earlier how that kind of neutralizes the pass rush, you're basically forcing a DB to make a play. And consistently the Chiefs were beating those guys. And the Chiefs, to their credit defensively, they've been really good about not letting guys beat them in open space. Guys like Legereus Need, Traverius Ward, you want your secondary to be willing tacklers. And I'm not saying the Raiders aren't, but the Chiefs found a lot of success with that short passing game against the Raiders, making plays after the catch. Then the big stuff downfield opened up after that. So I'm hoping that we get a similar concoction here uh, this time around because it really worked back in Week 10. It's what separates, to me, the Broncos' defense from the Chargers and the Raiders' defense is the yards after catch category. Agreed. The Broncos don't give you many yards after catch. The other two teams will. It can't. It was also big in the Cowboys game. But the Chiefs are number one if you're keeping track at home in yards after catch overall as a team. And we know Kelsey's like the valedictorian of that stat. Rematches. National Football League. It's a big part of December now, the way the NFL has put the schedule together. But here we go. It's the Raiders. It's the rematch and otherwise. Touchdown! Lock it down! And the celebration begins at Arrowhead. 